Chicago lives up to its nickname, the Windy City. Winds of up to 90 miles an hour bring the less hardy to a standstill or use them like a Scotsman's curling stones. Alley fight between Fitz and Combs. You both get to pick three all-time Sox and Cubs as part of your alley fight. My my number one draft pick is Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett? You're out of your mind. Michael, but did you see that right hook? Ask A.J. Brzezinski if he wants to get hit with that right hook again. You can ask AJ Brzezinski that. I will. <sighs> That's gonna be that such a podcast question. Ah, uh, shut up. Go to Rizzo. It's in time, and the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Rebay has it. He throws out, out. A White Sox winner and a World Championship. And welcome to another episode of Windy City Sports Talk. I am Brandon Combs alongside my co-host Ryan Fitzgibbons. Got a lot to get to tonight with a lot of trade deadline garbage here in the city of Chicago that we've got to get to. There's a lot that I've, I, I want to talk. I can't wait to get to Cubs and, and White Sox talk. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Chicago Bears. They've Training camp started this week. Got a lot to get to there. Some Fitz gibberish tonight, some stories from around the world. But, of course, before we get to any of that, if you missed any part of today's live broadcast, you can now catch us on all podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click the like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. If you have any feedback for us or have something you want us to talk about or questions you want us to answer, you can email us at combsandfits, all one word, combsandfits, at gmail.com. Fitzy. Fitzy. Hawk used to say he didn't answer my one email I sent him years ago. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's a trade deadline. I mean, I, I don't know how much I care. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit, you know, right before the show, but, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff happening. A lot of, a lot of head shaking uh, yes. on, on my side, on your side with, with some of the things teams did outside of Chicago, inside of Chicago. Maybe you think both teams didn't do enough in the opposite directions. I think even though a week ago, <laughs> What's that? Two weeks ago, I did a Fitzgibbers saying the Cubs should stay pat. I, I, I actually am not mad at what they did. Uh, I, or, you know, uh, at least I'm, I'm not going to come on here and say, I think they did the wrong thing. I don't think one you, you don't want to, I, I just did not see them selling off one of their top prospects uh, for a piece just for this year. Uh, but, you know, Jed said uh, what in an interview, um, that after the you know the comeback against the Sox and the and the catch, are we are we calling it that now? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. After all that, that he he decided to to be somewhat of a buyer. I don't know how much you call this buying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they ever should have really sold. I mean, what do you, I guess you could have got a little bit for Bellinger or Stroman, but <sighs> I look reactions. Here's. I like Candelario, although I like Candelario because, you know, he was having a great year at third base and he's playing well. Best defensive year he's ever had at third base in the major leagues. You know, he's he's hitting about 260 and he's has got 16 home runs, which is tied for the lead, the lead in the Cubs clubhouse. 
However, they get him, and tonight he's at first base so that Nick Magical can stay at third base. I this is like and this is what bugs me about David Ross is like a comfort animal. I, I <laughs> and he shouldn't be, dude. Like last night flights <laughs> last night in the eighth inning with the tying run on second base. Nick Magical continues to hit when you got Miguel Amaya on the bench, when you've got uh, hell, even you've got Patrick Wisdom on the bench. I would have taken anybody. You're letting Trey Mancini take at bats and you DFA'd him today. (laughs) Why are you letting him take at bats in such a pivotal game, man? A general manager thing where they take him away from the manager so he won't play. Yes. You're you're four games out, and you're in the start of a four game series with a with the te- with the first place team that you are trying to catch, and you just rallied back from a six one deficit to make it six to five in the eighth inning with two outs, and you're letting Nick Magical swing the bat. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with David Ross and the way that he is managing. And making some of the decisions in this ball club. Why is Jamer Candelario playing first base tonight? What? Why is Nick Magical still in the lineup? Why is Nick Magical playing third? Why? Like, I don't understand some of the decisions that you make. Jan Gomes last night goes three for five. You're going to give him a second day at the behind the plate? No. Let, let's go with Tucker Barnhart tonight. Let's go. Like, can I, Gomes play first? I don't know if Gomes can play first. I like to think that any catcher should be able to play first, but I don't necessarily know that he can. I've never seen him play first. Um, but you know who can play first? Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Cody Bellinger can play first. Like I, I don't get it, and, and I don't get the things that that David Ross continues to do. He doesn't make. The right decisions. The right decision right now would be, hey, look, you know what? We're going to call up whether it's it's Ben Brown, whether it's um, I was going to say Adrian Sampson, but they traded him today. Whether it's you know any of these other AAA arms that are fighting to get a, a a chance back in, you know, either in the bullpen or in the rotation, bring one of them up for a spot start and sit Stroman for a start. Give Stroman some extra time. Stroman has gone. Look, if I told you right now, there's been 30 pitches since he, 30 innings that he's pitched since he came back from London. How many runs would you guess he's given up? 30 Uh, innings. um, 30 innings. 20, 20, 20 something? 30. 30. He's given up. His ERA is. Joe Boo. Oh. His ERA is nine in his last seven starts. Oh, he has been unworldly bad. Look, I'm of the ilk that maybe he's not as good as he was at the beginning of the season. I don't think he's as bad as he's been over the last seven starts. I just don't. There's got to. You've got to do something because you can't continue to let him go out. He gave up six runs in three innings last night. The Cubs lost six to five. They didn't give up another run after they pulled them. You cannot, you wow. can't let Stroman keep going the way that he's going because he is unworldly bad right now. 
You've got to get him back on track. He's got to be at least half of what he was at the beginning of the season. Right now, he's not even a hundredth of that right now. I mean, it has been bad. So, Strowman, you've got to do something. But, but, yeah, but Ross isn't going to do that. Ross, I don't think Ross, and you said this to me a text earlier, maybe Ross is too much of a player's manager. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think he can he can make the call of, Hey, you, you need some time off. You need some time to sit. No, I'm sorry. You know what? Thank you. Nick Madrigal for the first seven innings. It's the eighth inning. We're down by a run. The time runs. Sorry, Miguel Amaya, go, go get a bat or, or sorry, you know, anybody go get a bat. You know, as Jeremiah Murray says, Nick Madrigal has the same number or better numbers than Suzuki. I, I agree. I Suzuki's been Suzuki's been a disappointment, and and he's an another guy that maybe needs a couple of days rest. Say a Fukunomi. Yeah. <laughs> say, Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's been bad. Uh, he, I don't know what it is. I last year you could blame the injuries. This year, I I don't know. Maybe he's just not fit for major league pitching. I, I I have no clue. But what I do know is that David Ross is not pulling the trigger on any of these players right now. Not pulling the trigger on any. And look, I get it. Look, they've been, they won eight straight before losing on Sunday and then losing again yesterday. They had won eight straight. They got back to 500. They were two games above 500. And now they're back to 500 again. There are certain things that go on in this lineup that I just don't understand. And, and I, I, for the life of me, I don't think I'll ever understand it. You can't tell me why right now Cody Bellinger moved back to center field and Jaimer Candelario is now playing first base. When you have Christopher Morrell, who is more than capable of manning center field, you could have Cody Bellinger at first base. You could have Candelario at third. And you could DH Miguel Amaya, who was a far better hitter and far more exciting than Washington Nick Magical is. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And he keeps playing him. He keeps playing him. This is like when Ian Hat first came up and he was just he he was terrible defensively. But we had a guy named Albert Elmora Jr who, by the way, his base running decision in Game 7 of the World Series probably wins you that World Series, tagging up on that fly ball. But we're going to continue to play Ian Happ, who costs you game after game in center field. Because, for whatever reason, and maybe you're seeing it now, maybe he just developed late, but Joe Madden loved Ian Happ. Even though Albert Elmore Jr. was probably the more deserving candidate to get an everyday role. And it, you start to get to that point with a manager where you're just like, I don't know if they can win with you. I don't. You think they're going to win under Ross? It's tough, man. I mean, in, in, a, in a season like this where you're trying to come back and it takes so much effort to come back, you got to make every decision correct, right? I mean, you have to, you just absolutely have to. And, 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 you know, a bag of sweaty gym socks uh, was, would be better at managing a team than Tony La Russa. That's one thing he didn't give a shit about. He didn't yes. care. And sometimes that's good. 
I mean, there's a lot of times that it's bad when you're walking guys on one, two counts and then asking why people are questioning you. But right. other times when you don't give a shit what people think, Ozzie Gian was kind of like this too. You know, it does go cut both ways though, but uh, I think this team needs somebody who can pull a trigger at least quicker than he does. I mean, I think they deserve that. I mean, maybe he's the Ricky Renteria will get you to this point. Yeah. But once the heat is on, he's not, he, he's in this, it seems indecisive just for mm-hmm. me. I, you know, I, I've probably watched more. I have watched more socks this year, but in the last couple of weeks, definitely watched more Cubs than, than any other baseball team. And that's what it seems like to me. Um, I mean, not, you know, using Fulmer a little bit too much. And I'm not saying we don't have the same problem on the south side. I mean, Grafal, yeah, uh, some similar stuff like that, like leaving Ronaldo Lopez in too long, and out Lopez isn't even with the team anymore. And he, as down as I've been on Fulmer all year long, Fulmer has at least started to turn it around. Like he's pitching a lot better than he was earlier in the season, you know. And today, look, Ross gave Suzuki the night off, right? But if you're going to put Talkman in, right, you can put Morell instead of DH in him. There's no reason why you can't put Morell in center or keep Talkman in center and put Morell in right. Like, do if you're going to do something, do something that makes sense because it makes zero sense because you are hurting yourself defensively and offensively with Nick Magical at third base. Period. 2016 Cubs won despite Joe Madden. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I've heard that a lot in the past. Um, I, I still look, Joe Madden is one of those guys who gets a ton of credit as he should. He was, he was a really good player manager. Players loved playing for him. Mm-hmm. And he brought this certain chemistry into it. I, I tell people all the time about the time. And I don't know if everybody knows the story, but when, when Joe Madden got fired from the angels, they showed up at his house to fire him on an off day. Well, he had cut his hair into a mohawk because it was a team thing that uh, they were going to wear mohawks and he was going to surprise the team and he was going to wear a mohawk with them. So the 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 GM shows up at Joe Madden's door to fire him, and he answers the door in a mohawk. <laughs> they're like, they're, they're like, sorry, Joe, we're gonna let you go. And and that's a, that's but see, that's who Joe Madden was. Joe Madden was was that guy, and people like playing for him. He was really bad at managing a bullpen and pitching staff. Mm-hmm. He was really, I mean, yeah. and that was my knock on him his entire tenure Ooh. with the Cubs. You know, like you, you did think like game six of the World Series. Cubs won that game by like nine runs. Why? Yeah, why? Yeah. Why is Chapman pitching? And then he why aren't you saving him? Yeah. Oh, exactly. my God. If they would have lost that. Uh, dude, if they would have lost that for one, we wouldn't be doing the show. <laughs> he would have gone. He would have had to go in the whatever hole Bartman's in. Yeah, I, I could. I, dude, I would have. I would have murdered him. I, I'd be in jail. I'd be in prison for murder if they would have lost that game, <laughs> but they didn't. So I'm not, and I'm here with you talking some Chicago sports. Now, look, I don't. I'm not a Rossi guy. I, 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 I'm a Rossi guy. Let me rephrase that. I'm a Rossi guy. I'm not a fan of his decisions, and I don't think that they can win with him. I just don't. And I don't think that the look. We can talk what we want about the trade deadline. Like I like the addition of Candelario. I really do. Um, I don't like the fact that they didn't go out and get any pitching help. 
They didn't go out. They, you needed You knew. Got a reliever. You, you needed a left-handed. Yeah, but you needed a left-hander. You picked up another right-hander. You needed a left-handed reliever. And you needed some back-end rotation help. Because Smiley's not getting the job done anymore. You don't know if Tyon's going to fall off again. He's been better over his last handful of starts. So, you know, maybe he's he's climbing the ladder. But you also know that Stroman's been struggling. And you did not go out and do anything as far as pitching depth. When you had guys like Verlander that were available, when you had, you know, even Max Scherzer available, you you can't tell me that the Texas Rangers or the um, uh, the Houston Astros have the ability to give up more than what you have to give up. Your number two prospect right now in the system is Brennan Davis. You don't need Brennan Davis. Brennan Davis is the most expendable commodity that you have, not to mention that he had just come off back surgery over a year ago. So how how are you not saying, hey, look, we will do this, this, and this. You can have, uh, you know, our our number two, uh, let's say our our number nine, and and maybe, you know, like our, our number 15 prospects. Three big prospects, and guess what? We'll throw in Tucker Barnhart. Or we'll throw hey, we'll throw in Nick Magical. <laughs> you can have Nick Magical in your lineup, and, and and get one of these guys. You didn't even end up with Rich Hill. <laughs> Nothing to help the back end. And that this is I I don't. Can't, I don't can know. the White Sox Cubs it. stop taking things from the Kansas City Royals that not even the Kansas City Royals want? <laughs> they, they, they can't. <laughs> what? In yeah. the hell? I heard yeah. the Kansas City Royals relief. Like what? Yes. I I just I don't I don't know. I don't I ERA. I mean I, I yeah. I, yeah, I he's a 4.89 ERA in the, in his entire existence in the Major League Baseball. Like that's <laughs> since last year when he got called up. You could have probably it's, gotten Kenyon Middleton for maybe yeah. the same thing, maybe the same piece. If if I wanted a reliever that gives up 5 runs every 9 innings, then I would just stick with Michael Fulmer. Like, I I just, I don't get it. I don't get the mentality. I would love to sit down with a guy like Jed Hoyer and discuss something like this. I just don't get how Jamer Candelario is your only move. Yes, we needed a corner infielder for sure. We needed a guy with some left-handed pop. You went out and you, you did what you needed to do there with Jamer Candelario. But what you did not do was help your pitching staff. And what, what do we always talk about in October? Would you rather have a decent lineup in October or a solid one, two, three punch in your rotation with a good freaking bullpen? And you're the Cubs right now. And even if you do somehow come back and win this division, what do you do from there? Nothing. Your rotation right now can't go up against the Braves. Can't get for damn sure. Can't go up against the Dodgers. Mm-mm. You know, then you look over to the American League. You don't, you don't pan up with the Texas Rangers. You don't pan up with the Houston Astros. You don't like there's nothing, dude. So you're gonna, you're gonna maybe win your division, probably not, but maybe you might win your division. And if then you're going to be, uh, you know, three and out in the wild card round. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could have done better around the edges now that I'm thinking about this more. I think you're painting me into a corner here. But <laughs> but as I say all this, Danzy Swanson just hit a three-run home run, and the Cubs are up five to nothing with nobody out in the first. 
Jr. Let's go Swanson. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think you could have done more at the edges, but just I mean, they, them being total buyers, like throwing everything in there to get maybe uh, a Michael Kopech and a Canyon Middleton, or you know something near, maybe even better than that from another team. I, I just don't know if that was the move to make. You add to this team in the off season through free agency and maybe maybe a trade or two, but mostly free agency, and you go from there. You see what they can do this season. I mean, I, I just. Yeah, they're not as good as they're playing right now, and they're not as bad as they were a couple of weeks ago when you had them on, <laughs> when you had them as sellers. They went from buyers to sellers in one week. Anyway, they, yeah, and then they went back to buyers in one week. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're not as good as they are now. They're not as bad as they are before. I think keeping your powder dry is fine. Yeah, could they have done a few more moves? Yeah, but I I don't think they think this is the championship team. Something to build on, though, and you can be happy with that because, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. Everybody's falling all over to each other to to say how much they liked all the work that the Oreos would done. Well, the Oreos were bad for 10 years. You don't get 10 top five picks in a row and then get freaking your ass kissed because your team is all of a sudden good. It's it's the Cleveland Browns effect. Eventually, after being terrible for so many seasons, it's basically what the Chicago Bears have done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after being bad for so many seasons, then the Oreos, yeah, I mean. Is that an organization you want to model yourself after, the Chicago Bears? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Oreos. Yeah, I mean, eventually you're good. But the Cubs, you know, had a few leaning years, but now they're back winning again already. It seems at least they got dropped 10 in a row, <laughs> but it seems that they're, that they have a pretty good core here. Um, and they have young players coming up. They don't have what the Dodgers have. I don't know how the Dodgers have nine of the top 100 prospects. They have, they must've sold their soul to the devil. They've, Johnson. they've just got a good run office they've they've got smart people they got people in the right places and they're not afraid to spend money which is something we don't have here in chicago timmy is still 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 available yeah you got dfam though um (laughs) i just i don't i don't know why the cubs didn't do more and don't you hate when you're you're coming, you're you're like, oh, I th- I think that they did enough, and then I come out with all and make all this sense, and you're just like, fuck, gotta agree you with did. them here you're a little good bit. Arguments. <laughs> you're making the arguments. You made good arguments. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I I think it's a win anyway. I mean, you're playing meaningful games right now. Although we both had them around 500, that's where they're at. You're playing meaningful games, uh, and that's all you can really ask for in baseball at the end of a season. Like, I mean, this is going to be a slog for the Sox until they do call-ups in September. August is just going to be like, all right, I'll watch Dylan C's pitch. Let's so before the before this season, I had the, the Cubs at 86 wins. I thought they were a team that was just above 500. Okay. Not very, to go there the rest of the way, they'd have to go uh, 33 and 20 the rest of the way. Or no, I'm sorry, 33 and 22 the rest of the way. Do you think that that's possible? It's 11 games over 500. No. Not with the way this team is constructed. No. Yeah, I I don't think that they're an 11 game above 500 team. Um, 
you know, they do have a lot of stretches as my blood starts to boil, as Nick Magical sets to the plate. <laughs> they do go through these stretches where they do win eight games, but then they fall into a hole where they lose four out of five. And I just think that's what they're going to continue to do, especially with the decision-making of, of David Ross. Yeah, we were talking about it when they beat the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and then lost to, I forget what awful team. They lost a series to some awful team just following right after that. That's usually an inconsistent, yeah. you know, probably okay team, but not a very, not, not a really good one anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but you never know, man, it's baseball ball bounces weird ball bounces yeah. weird. And you know, there is some emotion there. They seem to be coming together somewhat and it looks okay. It doesn't look bad, but I don't see them doing anything in the playoffs, but Hey, you know, gets a couple of these young guys, some much needed experience would be great. Yeah. For them. I mean, it really would. It, it didn't work for the Sox, but it could work for this team. Uh, baseball is just a different animal, man. It's a really hard sport. You should just be happy when your team's playing. Okay. And you can have meaningful games into September, which probably looks like it. Brandon Combs Jr. Says good hit by magical. Shut up, kid. <laughs> Are you and your son <laughs> going to give us the play-by-play for the rest of the night? No, no. Although Candelario did get an infield single in his first at-bat in a Cubs uniform since he's, well, his first new at-bat in a Cubs uniform. <laughs> Jeremiah Murray having his own show with Doubting Thomas on the side here. <laughs> <laughs> the Timmy is available. Jeremiah Murray says he meant available for personal visits. Jer- Jeremiah Murray also said on Facebook today he loves the Combs and Fitch show um, featuring Doubting Thomas and Jeremiah Murray. So <laughs> he, he's just, you know, I told him maybe one day we'll need an executive producer. And when we do, we'll we'll call him and let him know. <laughs> exactly. You'll be you'll be our production staff as soon as the guy quits who works for our production staff. Right now. <laughs> yeah. So the Cubs, we don't know what we're going to see. I mean, it's a big series still. They've they've got three games left against the Cincinnati Reds. Tonight they're off to a hot start. Um, and they need, you know, they really need to take three, two of these next three, if not all three of them. Um, you're going to find yourself, if you take all three of them, you're going to find yourself uh, two games out of the division. If you take two out of three, you're going to find yourself four games out of the division. Baseball math. So... If you didn't even consider them going one out of three or zero. Well, if you go one out of three, all of a sudden you're like, damn, what did we do? Yeah. <laughs> what did we do? On the yeah. other side of town, speaking of what did we do? Yep. The White Sox sold. Um, as Ooh, no. Shanna Stiso Trust joins the show and says, I was not happy about them trading Giolito. They thought- trade Giolito. They trade Joe Kelly. They trade, um, you know, they trade your boy, Mr. Salad himself, Lance Lynn. Um, you know, they made another trade today with uh, the uh, what's his, the the reliever there? Um, yeah, Kenyon Mill- Middleton over to the Yankees yeah. and just got a guy. Uh, I think the Kendall Grayman deal was a good deal. And I think the Giolito and Lopez deal was was a terrific deal. Uh, really, it was. It's a Rena player and a guy who has a lot of talent, but did just did not perform this season. Uh, you got a switch hitting catcher, you know, the number two pr- 
prospect for uh, the Angels. And then you got a six foot six left-hander, which you can never have enough of those guys around. So I thought that was a good trade. Could they have traded more? I thought so. I really thought Eloy Jimenez was going to be coming off, which I don't know how I would have felt about that. I'd have to see the trade, but he's got some years left and you're really selling low there when, yeah, he could have, you know, 20 home runs in the first half of next season and you can get a lot more for him. That's why the Jake Berger trade sort of has me shaking my head, you know, a little bit, even though they got a pretty decent uh, pitching prospect. I hear a little bit more than decent. A lot of people are high on this guy coming off Tommy John surgery, but speaking of which Jeremiah Murray says you've got Matt and Tinley on line two to talk about Jake Berger. <laughs> and then he says, yay, more catchers. Yeah. More catch. I, a switch hitting catcher. Who's who's look, looks like a pretty good prospect that you can never have enough of those guys. I mean, really you can't. Uh, catcher's not the prime spot it used to be when we were younger, but, um, you know, if you have a solid catcher, uh, that can play 120 games for you, that's, that, that's really good, especially a switch hitting catcher. Um, you know, uh, and you need some guy to replace, um, Yasmani. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, do I, did I want them to trade more? Yeah. I was kind of excited when I heard that Dylan Cease might be traded because I knew that they were going to get a haul for him and that would have been pretty interesting, but that sets you back. You're not winning next season without Dylan Cease. And they (laughs) seem to think that they can win next season, which I'm, uh, hard no on and a hard pass on watching them. If that's what the fuck they think it's really unbelievable. The cognitive dissonance that this fucking organization has, it is unreal. And I said, I didn't care two months ago, but I still, they still make me so angry that comment. How dumb do you think we are? And then Rick Hahn says right after that, well, I don't know for sure. Let's see how this season ends up. And then we'll tell you, we'll we'll make sure to tell you our plans for next season. You have a plan. I didn't know that (laughs) that you're going to have a plan for next season. That's a good idea. If you're going to run a $200 million organization, well, two, $2.1 billion valuation for the team. How about this for a plan? Sell the fucking team. Uh, Stone was on Twitter. He he does this usually once a year where he'll say, I'll, I'll answer any question. Go ahead. I usually doesn't answer questions. And somebody asked him, is Jerry going to sell the team? And he said, absolutely not. So he must know something. It's not like they don't talk. Right. But why? You're 87. You got your win. You got your World Series. You tried to rebuild again. It looked like a valiant effort for a while, but no dice. Didn't even win a playoff series. <laughs> Donnie Thomas says the plan is to contend in 2028. Jesus Christ. With with what's happening in the Ukraine, the, the, the entire planet could be under by then. Under ashes by then. What? What's worse right now? What's happening in Ukraine or what's happening in the White Sox organization? <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of people have died, I believe. So we're going to give Ukraine the slight edge. But uh, I think the White Sox organization is more of a disaster. <laughs> yeah, it's something. I mean, like I said, I cannot think of a team with 
at least somewhat expectations, even for the most cynical person at the start of the season, to collapse this totally. I mean, we were we were texting back and forth during the Cubs uh, series, and they were up seven three. I'm like, they're gonna blow it. There's just no way. I was enjoying it. <laughs> I guess if the Sox were good, I might have gotten pissed. But I was like, they're so terrible. Like, who cares? Brandon Cubs Jr. says, at least Ukraine still has a chance. Yes. <laughs> good one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I just don't see, I, I just don't see, like, what is going on there? And then and then all the whole problems. Half the time, uh, Andrew Vaughn is walking around in a boot. What is, like, wh- what? And then he's out there, and then he's not out there, and then he's out there. Sit his fucking ass. I don't get it. And back to the burger thing, like if I if I trusted you to trade a guy and get somebody in return who isn't going to be hurt every 10 minutes, then, you know, I'd be okay with the trade because really he's another right-handed, you know, fat guy who can't, eh, he can run okay, actually, believe it or not, but can't really run. Not very athletic. He's just another one of those guys. So he's another redundancy. You're selling him high. You're selling high right now with him. So it made sense. But I don't trust you. And I liked Burger. And all the references to Burgers, Double Burger, all that. I liked the guy. He tore his Achilles twice and came back. What if he's a whale of a player, too? You really messed up then. I mean, he gets that average up of 20, 30 points. 220 he's batting that's really i would 25 home runs that's not bad he's patrick wisdom maybe a little shade better than patrick wisdom he's actually pretty sure-handed at third but i just i I don't trust you at all to 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 deal players that i don't want dealt he was under control until 2028 right and you can't trade mincata because he's a bag of shit he can't fucking, uh, he can't run without getting hurt. He was running the bases. <laughs> the good news is Tony Relusa has returned to full health. Yes. He'll oh. manage in 2029. <laughs> <laughs> and you got, and, and I don't even know. I lost my train of thought. I don't give a fuck. He, I mean, this he, is unbelievable. It's just a bag. Of, yeah, he's a bag of shit. He runs the bases. He's running around third. They actually won the game against the Indians and he's barely moving. This is Yoan Mankata who stole fucking 30 bases for him once he's 25 bases for him one season. Couldn't even run around the base. And then he's at home plate and he's walking away all slowly. It's like you're 26 years old. Yeah. Why does every goddamn player on this team have hurt legs? I've never seen it before in my life. It's insane. Every single player's legs hurt. Except for maybe Robert, but maybe not, because every once in a while he's limping around. There, the thing I have a problem with the White Sox at the trade deadline is you just didn't sell it out. There's no reason why Mike Clevenger is still on this team. There's no reason why Aaron Bummer is still on this team. There's no reason why Yasmani Grandal is still on this team. Tim Anderson, Elvis Andrews, uh, maybe even Yoan Makata. 
no reason for any of these guys to still be on this team. The only because- argument is that, you know, you're selling low on him and Tim Anderson. If Tim Anderson, you know, blows up for the next couple of months, you might be able to trade him in the offseason. I mean, I guess. Well, yeah, but do you, like, again, are you trusting Rick and Kenny to run this thing? No. That's the biggest problem. Why are they not fired? Why are they not fired? Why are not they not accountable? I have a fucking rinky-dinky sales job. That's what I do in the daytime. And if I don't make goal, I get fucking fired. <laughs> well, you also don't have Jerry Reinsdorf as your boss. Exactly. He doesn't fire anybody. They're, they're yes men, Jerry. Yeah, sure you like them because they're your yes man. You fucking egotistical prick. You act like you're an IRS lawyer. What the fuck is that anyway? I don't know. I... See what you do. See what you do. <laughs> this is all your fault. All I said was, it's time <laughs> to talk about the White Sox trade deadline. <laughs> That's all I said. And you kind of took it from there. It's just, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, they're making millions of dollars and they're not accountable to anything. Like they're the only people in America right now who are making that kind of money who aren't fucking accountable. The only people. Will Pedro Gafal be managing this team next year? I I would think yes. The way they with the way they are, I would think yes. That was another question that they that they hit with Stoney with on Twitter. And he said yes right away and it's like i i I wouldn't know why it hasn't worked he hasn't made it any better and now he's like getting all indignant for what you were the bench coach of a terrible team yeah sure you went to the you have a world series ring but like you keep saying they didn't give him anything they didn't they the kansas city royals went with another fucking coach another manager it's ridiculous yeah twice I mean, I I don't know why you would keep him, but I mean, what does it matter? What is that? That does not matter to me as much. There's so many problems. He's so low on the list for me. He's so low on the list. I mean, you you, you can't scout. You can't develop players. Nobody, neither side of the, the, uh, either side of the field anymore. You can't fucking even, you can't even, you know, mature pitchers anymore, which is the one thing you were ahead in the league on for years. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just, it's even for, look, and I'm a Cubs fan. I love the Cubs. I, I don't hate the White Sox. I say it all the time, but I do like the Cubs. And I will be one of those guys that watches the Sox, just like you watch the Cubs, and I'll, I'll watch them passively and, and, and be like, all right, let's see. If it's good baseball, it's good baseball. But it's maddening to watch this team. It's maddening to watch this franchise. And I think it's part of it is just because of what we go through here in all sports in Chicago as fans. Part of it is is we're watching it with the Bears. We've watched it with the Blackhawks. We we watched it with the Cubs. We're seeing it with the White Sox. Like it is maddening to watch and maddening to see all of this stuff continue to happen. 
because it shouldn't be happening. And the White Sox are so talented on paper, but they can't seem to put it together on the field. And to me, that suggests a front office problem. It suggests a management problem. It did damn sure suggests a strength and conditioning problem with all the injuries that they go through year after year. It's it's just it's frustrating. And now now you want them to rebuild. You all right, sell these pieces, get everything that you can. But then you start thinking about it realistically, and you're like, for what? For who to run it? Because you're just going to be in the same boat again next year. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, until these guys are gone. And I don't know how nobody see. I don't know how Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't see that. If I have to see Eloy Jimenez get hurt running to first base one more goddamn time. One more time. And Pee Wee Herman dies, like we were talking about beforehand, and Jerry Reinsdorf still alive. I'll yeah. pay him by 18 years. That makes sense. Yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf and Virginia McCaskey get to live. We lose Pee Wee Herman. I mean, you know, he probably died in a adult theater, but still. Shanna says they need new conditioning coaches. They just got new conditioning coaches. <laughs> what the hell? They need new conditioning coaches that aren't hired by Jerry Reinsdorf, Penny, and Rick Hahn. Because they clearly, these guys don't know what they're doing. No, and I thought Rick Hahn kind of did. He did some smart things at the beginning of the rebuild where they had good contracts that they got trades for to bring in a, a bevy of top prospects from across the league. I mean, that, that Adam Eaton deal is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, that is one of the best trades I've ever seen. Uh, you know, uh, you, you got Ronaldo Lopez. You got uh, Giolito. And then you got, God, I forget his name, who they traded, who they who turned into Lance Lynn. And now all the trades you're trading now for those guys. So you're, it's still maturing, that trade. But in the end, did you do your due diligence with these guys? I mean, was there any signs that maybe Yohan Mankata is not the fucking guy? Does he like to be? <laughs> there were stories when he came up. He had to live with a family when he came from Cuba. Where you know how they have those Glade <laughs> things mm. you plug into the wall and they smell good? Well, he loved candy because he never got a lot of candy in Cuba. He was eating those. They had to stop him. Like, I don't know. Was there something like that that might have pointed towards maybe this guy isn't disciplined? Or maybe baseball, maybe he doesn't like playing it. Maybe he just happens to be good at it. It's the only way he could get out of Cuba. And he's, you know, super talented. I mean, I remember the Cubs used to have a questionnaire. Theo Epstein used to talk about it for guys that would trick guys into figuring out like what type of players they were. I'm guarantee the Sox have nothing like that. <laughs> and they're just blind. They, they see guys. Yes, they're good. And they see their athletic ability and they buy on that instead of buying on the person. Donna Thomas says Kopech ain't the guy either. I agree. I, I don't think he's a guy. I think he needs to change the scenery. I, I've said, and I was very open about this throughout the, you know, the last two weeks uh, that I wanted him to come to the North side. 
I thought it made a ton of sense for the Cubs to go get him and and whether they went out and got Joe Kelly with them or if they went out and got, you know, any of these relievers that bummer makes a ton of sense for the Cubs to go and get. And it makes a ton of sense for the Sox to not have these guys. There's no reason, like I said it before, there's no reason why Aaron Bummer is still on this team. There's no reason why Mike Clevenger is still on this team. There's no reason why Michael Kopech is still on this team. Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson. And you could tell me all day you want that. You, you go, Clevenger isn't that guy and blah, 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 blah. You get him for a bag of people. Get him for somebody's 40th ranked prospect. Because yeah, at no. least you're getting something in return. And this guy is, is a piece of crap anyway. Yeah, do something you got to do. For the rest of the season. Win yes. games. That'll just change your draft position. Yes. And then they go out and they win two out of three over the weekend. <laughs> so we're starting to sell, boys. All right, cool. Win. Win. Lance <laughs> um, Lynn said that the the clubhouse is in disarray because they didn't see all these trades coming down like this. What did you think was going to happen? One, and then he then he's well, no, that was Joe Kelly who said that. Sorry, and he said, yeah, well, maybe they'll learn, you know, that you got to be accountable eventually. I got one word for you right now: belly bomb. Oh goodness, seven to two Cubs. Anyway. <laughs> Up your butt, Joe I had to do it. You want to get to some fish gibberish? All right, all right. And then we'll talk bears like Jeremiah Murray asks. We need a palate cleanser here after all the trade talk, both good and bad on the south side and north side. Yes, it's fish gibberish. It's another edition of Diatribe Conspiracy on an Island in the middle of unapologetic and sometimes inaccurate sports talk, especially when you somehow mess up Lance Lynn for Joe Kelly. But anyway, it's August. And you know what that means, Combs? Yes, it's Fomonda cheese season. And it's in full bloom at Bears training camp. Yes, all the boys will be sack brewing some fine onion and vinegar for the laundry department at Hallis Hall. Those poor bastards. <laughs> it's time to grow. It's a time to reflect. And it's time to create unrealistic expectations. Of course, since the NFL is now basketball with traveling, the QB position's important rises like a Roger Goodell suspension after video evidence is leaked. Yes, Justin Fields, the most enigmatic quarterback in memory, is getting rave reviews in his second year in the Luke Getze offense. Heck! Everyone is as confident as Hugh Hefner in the 60s and as in shape as the women who gave him that confidence. Coach Fluss has said <laughs> it shows all the work field has, has done in the offseason. Darnell Wright, the Bears' top pick, was training in the offseason like a wide receiver. Someone should tell him he's an offensive tackle. But I digress. Cole Komet got some money. A four-year, $50 million contract for all of you scoring at home. That's almost five times what Saquon Barkley got. Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, the two giant defensive tackles the Bears got in the draft, are getting rave reviews. Who isn't, though? 
You think Roshan Johnson was the next coming of Walter Payton and Tyler Scott was the next Jerry Rice. Yes, all is well in Baradum. Heck, last they are. Last I checked, Virginia McCaskey's robotic heart is still beating at least a few beats per minute. Right, Combs? (laughs) (laughs) Blood pressure check. Anyway, Dan Orlovsky and Stephen A. Smith on their show on the four-letter station got into a heated debate when Orlovsky predicted that Fields would would have an MVP caliber season this season. This is what Smith had to say. Point is standing in your way, yeah. and that's a minimum of six games, right. and you're still the Chicago Bears looking at a, a last place status, right? Okay, no, we're not going to look at Justin Fields and blame him and say it's his fault. We're going to recognize the fact that even with DJ Moore and Clay Chase Pool and all these, uh, you know, we're going to understand they don't have the requisite weapons. I'm not saying we're going to look at him like he's some scrub, but we're certainly not going to be thinking about him as some damn MVP caliber player. Stop that. Why not? Stop it. Because they're going to be in last place. They're going to be losing. And the pieces around them ain't going to be producing well enough for us to look at it that way. All right. So the 2021 season, I'll ask Marcus this question. No, I'm going to invade NFL Live. I'm going to invade that show at one point in time. I'm going to roll a Bristol one day. Just roll up on a set and deal with the jungle you be spewing to American public sometime. 2021 season, Deshaun Watson in Houston. Who led the NFL in passing that year? He did. Deshaun Watson. Because they were terrible. But everyone talks in regards to Deshaun Watson and says, if he can get back to playing the way he did his last year in Houston, that's MVP-level football. He's and the Browns somebody that took them to the playoffs, too. He was in the playoffs. But that's not your point. Come on, man. That's not your point. You're saying the Bears are going to be bad. I'm not disputing that. Okay. My problem with Stephen A's comments, other than he spits when he talks like a Brooklyn sprinkler, is this. Do you really want to bring the other teams in the NFC North as your argument to the why the Bears are going to be last in last place? I cut off the beginning of the clip. He does say because of the other teams. The division that produced one, count it one fucking playoff team. The Detroit Lions, you're going to bring them up? Not that they weren't a playoff team, but close. Jordan Love? There has never been a player who makes national politics sound as dumb as Justin Fields, and it's not even really close. He is the COVID of this NFL season. And that's Fitz gibberish, my friends. Combs thoughts. Why is is it just a foregone conclusion with some of these people that they're going to be in last place? First, first of all, my thought is if you ever bring a Stephen A. clip on the show again, I will hunt you down myself. Stop that. Why not? Stop it. I don't look, I, I don't hate Stephen A. I'm just I'm joking about that. Stop like, that. I, I I like Stephen A. I he is also you gotta remember, this guy also said the Los Angeles Lakers were gonna win the the NBA title. This guy also said last year, I believe, if I am correct, he picked the Green Bay Packers to win the Super Bowl. This guy is not exactly always correct. Um, Stop that. And so I just did you just clip that and just you're going to like. Anyway, look, stop that. There's. 
I think that there's, and I would love to talk with all of these these professionals and these experts mm-hmm. about the Chicago Bears season and what they're seeing, because I don't hear any of them talk about, hey, you know, like I've talked about where your wide receiver core gets better, it can make your offensive line look better. If you're mm-hmm. scoring more points, you can make your defense look better. All this defense really needs to be at this point is probably a step above mediocre. Because if this offense, if this offense is everything that we expect it to be, if Roshan Johnson is as good as everybody's saying is again, if Darnell Wright is the monster everybody's making him out to be in camp, then this offense should take off. This offense should explode the way that we expect it to. He people are gonna talk and talk and talk about about Justin Fields because this is a quarterback, quarterback position. I've seen things from him where I believe he's going to be better. I believe he's going to have a breakout season. I believe at this time next year, Stephen A. Smith's tune is going to be completely different. They're not the worst team in this division. Stop that. They might be the best team in this division. I think that they're better than the Detroit Lions right now. They might be better than the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know. Stephen A. is broadcasting artwork. I, he th- look. I do like Stephen A. Smith. I really do. I, I listen to his show all the time. But I, I just yeah. There's a lot of things that he says annoying. that make you scratch your head. Bombastic right? just to just to be bombastic and just to you know do that you know be that way right. and say stuff that's crazy like telling him to stop that stop that yeah. And, and, and my favorite part, my favorite part is he's arguing with Dan Orlovsky. As if Dan Orlovsky knows what it takes to be a good quarterback in the NFL when he couldn't even be a good quarterback in the NFL. I actually like that. How is is he? Right, but you look at some of these guys, and you're like, how is is he the spokesperson for what's good in the NFL? He was terrible. And then it's like at the end, like, I just know. Yeah, I mean, they'll be in last place. Like, what? Right. And you look at at Tim Hasselbeck. I couldn't play the whole clip, but they were also talking about how the Green Bay Packers are going to have a good team around. Yeah, like, look, I look, I, the Green Bay what? Packers are, are like the St. Louis Cardinals of the NFL. They always find a way to to, to get better. If Jordan Love, you, you know, we probably thought I, I thought I know I thought that after Aaron Rodgers left that or not Aaron Rodgers after Brett Favre left that maybe there would be some setbacks and maybe Aaron Rodgers wasn't as good as they thought too. Right. So maybe there, there's a, there's a chance, a small chance, but there's a chance that Jordan love and the Packers are better than, than we anticipate them. It being maybe Jordan love is that guy. I just don't see it. I don't understand all the love Jordan love gets and all the hate I, that yeah. Justin Fields gets. The most polarizing, like, and maybe it's just confirmation bias. And I just keep seeing like Justin Fields and I just, you know, want it to be that way. But I just feel like I'm like, how, like, what did he do? It was such a terrible team. I mean, Thomas, I just subscribed to the Stephen A podcast. Stop that. <laughs> Come on. I'm addicted to that little clip, though. But <laughs> uh, I mean, I just I, I don't get it. I don't get it. The guy had 17 touchdowns passing, 11 interceptions, also had eight running, like with a terrible offense. 
a terrible offense. And don't give me this pro football focus crap. Stop it. <laughs> don't give me that crap. Because how how do you evaluate a line where a guy runs for rushes for 1200 yards that's your quarterback how do you evaluate an offensive line where there how many times do you see guys did you see guys in the backfield that he throws off of them himself and then mm-hmm. goes and runs like they're, they're in in a second that how could that count i mean i guess that counts as a hurry but if he runs for 45 yards, how is Pro Football Focus even doing those stats? I'd, I'd really like to know. Let's get somebody in here. From, let's get the production team together and get somebody in here to tell me how they grade that. Because I don't know how they can grade that. And they're saying, oh, yeah, Colin Cowherd. You know, I can't believe this guy's in my fucking news feed. But saying that, oh, they had, you know, they middle, middle of the like a middling offensive line last year. He actually said that they were the best rushing team in the league because yes, you know, Khalil Herbert was good. David Montgomery's a good back. I like David Montgomery a lot. I think they have better backs this year anyway, but they were the best rushing team in the league because their quarterback ran for 1200 yards. Let's let's stop that. I mean, it's it, it has nothing. I, I I just I really don't understand it, and I don't want to really defend the Chicago Bears. <laughs> that is not a stance I want to take. It really isn't because I think they're another shit organization too. I still don't trust them. You're gonna have to show me the season, but I mean, did the vitriol and that they're gonna be in last place? That is not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I look. I don't understand, you know, he's sitting here and he's hyping up Jordan Love. And I know, look, I know Stephen A. loves some, some Green Bay Packers. He's always, he's been a Brett or an Aaron Rodgers guy, calls him a bad man and all that other stuff. But how you call a quarterback who is 0-1 in his career versus, and you want to talk about him like, like he's done something in the league, but you demean a guy who's been in the league for two years, one with an inept head coach, and the second with a brand-new head coach and an offensive coordinator. And he's shown signs of actually being able to do something in the league. He's still thrown for over 4,000 yards in this league. So he has. So, and not only that, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards in two seasons with a team that has zero wide receivers and zero pass protection. Jordan Love didn't do that. So maybe then I start thinking, well, maybe he's talking about his, his the college stats. Maybe he's talking about, you know, the things that Jordan Love did at college. But while Jordan Love was at college, he was also playing at Utah State. Can anybody anybody tell me real quick which college division Utah State is in? They're in the Mountain West Conference, by the way. The Mountain West Conference. You would fucking know that. Well, Ohio State in in Justin Fields playing in the Big Ten, playing in real competition, playing against teams like Michigan, going to to championships and playoff games against teams like Alabama. Yeah. Utah State wasn't doing that. Utah State was was uh, you know going up against you know uh, the the Colorado State, Michigan of the blind, like it's. It's, it's the teams that they play in the Mountain West. So it, you could sit there and, and say all you want, 
you know, oh, Jordan Love threw, threw 689 completions and threw for 8,600 yards in three seasons at Utah State. Great. He was playing, he was playing against Powder Puff teams. He was playing against a whole group of teams in his conference that teams schedule in big conferences week one so that they can beat them and get off to a good start. That's who Jordan Love was playing. He hasn't played anybody. So if there's anyone between the two that has something to prove that they can do in this league, it's Jordan Love, not Justin Fields. Look, does Justin Fields still have a ton to prove? Yeah. Does Justin Fields still I'm have a, a bunch of shit that he has to show in this league? Absolutely. But he's already shown signs of being able to do it. Something that Jordan Love has not done yet. And this isn't this isn't Bears versus this isn't me talking about any other. You can talk if you want to bring up Bryce Young. You want to bring up any of these other rookie quarterbacks and talk about how they're going to be better than 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 uh, Justin Fields. I'm going to tell you to prove it because Justin Fields has shown me more in the NFL than any of these other quarterbacks. So no, I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith. I don't agree with the the notion that the Bears are going to be in last place. I don't agree with Dan Orlovsky being the end all be all of who the best quarterback in the NFL is. Hey, maybe maybe he's just still trying to figure out how to not run out of bounds while being chased in the end zone. Yeah, whoa, that was a. Poof. But I mean, yeah, I I, I just don't. I think. Well, I got. I mean, I I just think sometimes with these national, they can't watch every game. So you haven't seen what I've seen. You haven't, and you can't just watch highlights either. I think, I think you have to watch the entire game. Like we, I keep going back to that first Green Bay game last year, uh, where I, where I told you right after the game, like people are going to be saying he had a bad game, and he had a great game, a great game. He threw a couple of interceptions and shit time at the very end one of which was not his fault. And, oh, no, yeah, bad game. It's probably his best game of the season or one of them. And it's it's just like you're, you're not watching all the games. You're talking about that, that first game at Lambeau when they lost 27 to 10? Yeah. I mean, he had a really good game that game. Could yeah, have been the second game. It could have been the second game. I could. Well, the second game, he was running. He was doing anything he wanted in that Green Bay defense. Yeah, you remember that? I believe the Bears were up seventeen to three or seventeen to nothing at halftime, and, and Green Bay couldn't stop him. And then we just started handing the ball off. I mean, Justin Fields had two hundred fifty-four yards passing in that game. I believe that was his high of the season. Like he he wasn't. It wasn't like he was having a bad game. Like the first Green Bay game, he only had seventy yards passing. He didn't really start turning it on, I don't believe, until probably about week four, week five, when he started to actually just take off and run the ball as well as throw the ball. And and that was that was the game that they only, I believe they only lost by a touchdown to like Minnesota. And it was a game where you were starting to look at him like, oh, wow, you know what? Okay, let's see what you can do. And then they went out the next week and lost like 12 to seven or something to Washington lost like that. And th- and then they went into, into new England and just dominated new England. And that's when I doubt that, that game right there, when they dominated bill Belichick and the new England Patriots in their house, that's when I said, you know what, uh, let's start paying more close attention to what Justin Fields does. And let's stop paying attention to his numbers because it's going to be clear that his numbers are going to be down because he doesn't have the talent around him. Does he have all the talent around him now? I 
I wouldn't say yes, but I, I believe that they, he's got a lot more pieces this year than he did last year. A lot more pieces oh, yeah. than he did last year. I mean, I, I think he's going to be, I mean, Braxton Jones has to be better, right? I mean, you would think. Yeah. And I think he didn't have the upper body strength and they said he needed an off season for that. Darnell Wright looks like he's going to be an improvement from Larry. How, about, how do you accidentally do the wide receivers training program as an offensive tackle? That one year, bro, I fucking broke my back pretty much. Yeah. Like, how, do you, I just, how do you pretty much break your back? I don't, I, I just don't understand the, like, I, I get, look, I, it is what it is. I mean, like, I think Darnell Wright's going to be a stud. All reports from camp are that he is just a brick shit house. This, this dude, yet he lost like 16 pounds of fat and just, but he didn't lose any weight. He just he gained muscle mass. Yeah. Yeah. You can lose inches and just gain yeah, muscle mass. Yeah, being denser. And, and look, if one side of the offensive line starts to get better, it makes the other side of the offensive line look better. Yeah, it so works. Yes, Braxton yeah. Jones can get better. Yes, the the offensive line can get better because one, you you've got different players. Two, you've got more weapons. Three, I think Justin Fields is that dude, and I think people are going to have to shut up and eat some crow. You know, whether it's Stephen A. Smith, whether it's John Fitzgibbons, whoever the hell it is, is going to have to shut up and eat some crow probably by week four or five when this kid is putting up numbers and the and the Bears are sitting at three and two, four and one, maybe even five and zero. Oh, who the hell knows? Yeah, and what they were really bad against last year were was stunts. So when the when they either the ta- well the tackles will switch spots there yeah. and that's where your entire line has to be able to communicate and at one you're right to your point if there one part of the line is better then maybe the other line part of the line will be better like i said braxton jones a year older cody whitehair in the middle he's at least i would think he's going to be mediocre he probably plays you know if we're lucky 12 games but um i think he'll be better at 31 i still think he has something in the tank Jeremiah Murray says balls coming out quicker. That'll solve a ton of problems. You need the greeny rant about fields. I look, I don't even know what the greeny rant is, but when it comes to the ball coming out quicker, if you've heard from the day that they drafted Justin Fields, when I was, you know, with, with the man hour talking NFL and we were on our NFL draft show when they drafted them and I got all excited and you, you could see me jumping up and down on screen getting all pumped up because they're going to draft Justin Fields. My one take on Justin Fields at Ohio State was the kid is is intelligent. The kid knows what he's doing. The kid can pass. The kid can run. My problem with him is that he holds onto the ball too long every once in a while. And that's still my knock on him. But that's something that can be worked out. That's something that you can find. And that's something that with, with weapons and with trust in an offensive line where you're not going to get hit on your blind side three times out of every four to five plays. It's not you're you're going to get the ball out quicker. You're not going to be afraid to fumble the ball from behind because somebody's going to be in on you. If you start trusting the players and the pieces around you, you will start to get the ball out quicker. And that's all that needs to happen for Justin Fields. It might not happen in week one. It might not happen in week two. But I think by week three or four, as this team starts to play better, as this team starts to win games, Justin Fields is going to start to get rid of the ball quicker. And then you're going to start to see it all come together. And I do think Justin Fields is going to throw for over 3,000 yards this year. 
I do believe that this Bears offense is going to take off this year. I do believe that this Bears team could possibly win 11 to 12 games and win this division. And I've been on that stance since after the draft, when we first talked about it, and I'm not moving off of that until they prove me otherwise, until I go out there and I'm like, you know what, maybe I was wrong and maybe Justin Fields isn't the guy. I don't. I just I, I I don't see it going any other way with the schedule, with the team, and with the pieces around them. I just think that's where it's at. And my guy Hoffy says Brandon's sex life is like the Bears offensive success. It seems to be in hibernation most of the time. Hey fucking minutes. As soon as I put this hot poker in my ass, I'm going to chop my dick off. I'm telling Michelle. <laughs> uh, that's funny so the Bears also extended Cole Komet over under on field strength GR passing games this year I'm going to go I, if you, I would set the bar at 4 and I'm going to go over I would, go, yeah, really I would bad defenses. I would, I, I would definitely go over on that yeah I think they're going to have three receivers with with over 800 yards. Easy. He's going he's going to throw way more this season. I agree. I mean, he just is. Uh, I mean, they're going to run it a lot. They are going to run it a lot more more than average, I would say, than the average team. I mean, that's what that offense does. It's the uh, um, Kyle Shanahan offense, basically, is what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan runs the ball a lot. He does. Uh, you know, depending on the quarterback he has. Well, Luke Getzey, I mean, Luke Getzey did – he runs a lot of play action too, though, which requires you to run the ball a lot. I mean, that's always been – I mean, that was that's all they did up in Green Bay. It used to drive me nuts. Yeah, and I, th- I think the Cole Komet signing was a good signing. I mean, the guy is an absolute bruiser. Doesn't miss games very rarely. What is he only missed a couple games in his entire career, I think? Yeah, you know, yeah. starting to catch the ball – uh, uh, you know, uh, and is a good blocker. He's a he's a you know, three down tight end. Yeah, is he the best tight end in the game? No, but I think he was even with like the eighth or ninth for for salary tight end in the league, which I put him around there. I mean, I think you got something good there, and then with Tunyon on the other side, I uh, I think there'll be a lot of good things happening with their offense. I I just don't see. It's like, you know what it's like? We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when uh, I was talking about censorship in this country where people just say something's misinformation. Yeah. They yeah. say it, and they don't, they don't have to prove anything. It's misinformation. Censor them. It's the same thing with, with some of these national pundits. Yeah, they're going to be in last place. Why? Right. I don't even think he got Chase Claypool's. Yeah, Clay Claypool or whatever he called Clay Chase Pool. <laughs> I think Jeremiah said that. I mean, he couldn't even get his name right. Like, tell me why. Like, which players are they missing and which and which position? If you're going to feature a team and talk about a team and then bluster and say that, you should, you know, you should stop that. Stop that <laughs> shit. I mean, you tell me something. I mean, that's what, this is what happens. What happens in news now nowadays too. There's no nuance. There's no depth of coverage at all. 
It's just he's wrong because of this and that's it. Or the Bears suck because they sucked last year. This is the fucking NFL. Teams go worst to first all the time. Right. I mean, look at what the Eagles did. And Jalen Hurts was not as good coming out of college as or not thought of as, as well coming out of college as Justin Fields. He wasn't. Yeah. And him and, and Jalen Hurts and uh, um, Josh Allen had the same years the first two years in the league and arguably had better teams the same years. They both got stud wide receivers and they both, you know, maybe fixed up the lines a little bit and, and, and were able to produce. Yeah. I look, I think that, I think it's just going to have to be one of those things that time tells. Yeah. Um, and Shannon Cecil trust says maybe they can catch more balls than hookers. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for crazy news stories? All right. Let's get to them. All right. It's closing time. It's time for us to get the hell out of here. We both got stuff to do. Crazy <laughs> stories. You go first. I'm going to let you okay. go first this week. All right. Man gets 40 years for prison escape bid months before expected release date from a seven-year sentence. A Mississippi man, and that does not uh, really surprise me, was sentenced Monday to 40 years in state prison for breaking out of correctional facility and holding two people at gunpoint last year just months months before he was going to be completing a seven-year sentence. Shuckendrick Huffman, the name doesn't surprise me either, pleaded guilty to two counts of kidnapping and circuit court judge sentenced him to 40 years in state prison just months away. This just happened. Central Mississippi Correctional Facility. Shit. Got it. It's got to be bad there, though. But still, man, a couple of months. Said Hoffman then stole a car from one of those held hostage before crashing it and fleeing on foot. He was later found hiding in a trash can and captured two miles from the prison. Sheesh. How in the hell, man? I mean, I I don't know how I'm going to top that. (laughs) I got another one if you don't mind. Shannon Cecil Trust says he must have stolen a Kia. <laughs> John Hoffey says, why is Brandon more likely to get married for a four time than Fields is to throw for over 4,000 yards? Well, let's say Brandon is an expert at loves passing game, while Fields might need a little more practice with his passing yards. <laughs> and your wife still wears my team's baseball hat. Just saying. Anyway, go ahead. You got another one you said? Yes, I do. When it comes to men and women having orgasms during sex, there is a gap that's hard to ignore. This is coming out of Yahoo Life. According to the 2007 study published by the Archives of Sexual Behavior, 95% of heterosexual men usually are always orgasm when sexually intimate, while 65% of heterosexual women did. So there's a gap there. You know why? Because a gap that's hard to ignore is what makes men orgasm. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, I saw that one. I wasn't going to use it, but with all the uh, 
the apparent problems in your sex life. Well. <laughs> and we talked about Fomunda cheese. Speaking of sex lives, here's All my right. story. Florida Aquarium blames a manatee's death on high-intensity sex with another male. Up your butt, Jobu. That's quite likely what happened. A Florida Aquarium is attributing the April death of a popular manatee to high-intensity sex with his brother. Hugh, a manatee at the Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium in Sarasota, died in April at the age of 38. The staff noted he began exhibiting a change in behavior on April 29th, and the staff began monitoring him closely. He then became unresponsive and ultimately was determined to have died. Stop that! <laughs> what? Earlier this week, a necropsy report of Hugh's last day revealed that he died from 14 and a half centimeter rip in his colon caused by a sexual <laughs> encounter with another male manatee. Buffet, who is also his brother, what? A fecal sample collected from you after the encounter confirmed the presence of fresh blood and officials noted that the manatees engaged in sexual behavior continued throughout the day. Then around 5.15, Buffet was seen penetrating Hugh. When he swam away, witness... <laughs> when he swam away, witnesses noticed Hugh was at the bottom of the pool and unresponsive. As I mean, I put this hot poker in my ass, I'm going to chop my dick off. I mean, I've left a few partners <laughs> unresponsive. Where is this going to go? <laughs> but it's usually because they... Never mind. Crazy. <laughs> I when I first saw the story, I really expected it to be in an Alabama zoo and not a Florida zoo. But <laughs> my Murray with his brother—that's too many Mississippi. <laughs> Yes, dust off the drum set for you, buddy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're speechless. I don't. I I was the, that story. I don't know. What in the hell? I think Pornhub has a section for that. I thought my manatees were majestic creatures. They are. They, almost they are. Thing. But that is it. That is our time this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We talked about the trade deadline. Talked about how the Cubs are up 12-2 to two now after another Dansby Swanson home run. We talked about the Bears. We talked about the White Sox. But if you missed any part of today's live broadcast, you can now catch us on all podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click the like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. As always, till next week, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. We'll see you. Stop that!